Hello, everyone, to another podcast episode or podcast um, episode, I should say. Today, I'm joined by Brian Dare, E1C3, and myself, Wow 2.0. So, guys, it's been a while since we've seen E1C3. What's good? Nothing much, nothing much. Just, uh, just here, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. So, um, yeah, Brandon, so what's our first topic then? What are we discussing first? I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, so we're talking about being comfortable. Um, so I was watching a show on YouTube called Yappy, um, which was done by, is it Wong Fu Production? Um, okay. OG YouTubers. So, um, so he created a show to highlight, you know, where the Asian community fits within you know that where where that minority fit within the american society yeah and in highlighting you know as i'm watching the the show which is really good by the way people should go check it out what was it called yappy yes see how do you spell that i think it's y-a-p-p hold on i'll find it sweet as we're going through this yeah that's cool yeah whenever yeah yeah it's yappy y-a-p-p-i-e Sweet. I think it's like Young Asian Professional. Okay. Is what it stands for. And, um, but then they were, so they were talking about the main character. And someone said to the main character, oh, you're, you're too safe. You know. Mm. And first, I'm, I'm just watching. I didn't pay attention to it. And then another person says to the character, you're comfortable. You know, you played too safe. And that's something that the character to, you know, like, and then the character says something in the line of, well, people wish they were comfortable. And, mm-hmm. and that struck me. And I started thinking, wait, that's true. Aren't we all, like, aren't a lot of people working to get to that point where you have the job and your source of income? Yeah. You have a good house, you know? Yeah. You're, you're settled, you know, isn't that the, is, isn't that the dream? But then mm. I started thinking about it, but also there's, you know, this whole entrepreneurship boom, traveling the world, yeah, people quitting jobs left and right to pursue passion. So when you have the... the left people, and right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, see, you see people nowadays like, you know, Oh, after going back to what this guy said in um, his speech about millennials, where you yeah. have people who after six months, they want to quit and he asks them why. And they say, oh, I just haven't made an impact. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? The, what's your why guy? Um, oh, Simon Sinek. So, yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah. So, Simon Sinek, yeah. And so I keep meeting these wonderful, fantastic, idealistic, hardworking, smart kids. They've just graduated school. They're in their entry-level job. And I sit down with them and I go, how's it going? They go, I think I'm going to quit. I'm like, why? They're like, I'm not making an impact. I'm like, you've been here eight months. <laughs> you know? It's as if they're standing at the foot of a mountain and they have this abstract concept called impact that they want to have in the world, which is the summit. What they don't see is the mountain. I don't care if you go up the mountain quickly or slowly, but there's still a mountain. And so what this young generation needs to learn is patience. You know, and then that got me thinking like, why, what is, is it wrong? For this guy to be safe, is it wrong to be comfortable? Is it, which is something you don't think about on the, 
on the surface, but mm. if we start looking into it, you know, should I take more risk? When is a good time to settle? You know, what do I have to follow the trend? Um, should I quit my job and go traveling because of experience? <laughs> it's about the experience, Brandon. It's about the experience. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's about money. <laughs> For real. So I, I just want to know what, what you guys thought. I mean, it's different for everyone has their own, you know, people just like, are like really dirt poor. And, you know, that comfortable position could be someone's like, I don't know. You know luxury. Top, yeah, luxury, basically. So um, it all depends on like how people start off, I think. Because some people who just like start off like, okay, you know, they're not really poor. They're not really rich they're just in between and that level of comfortableness if that's a word it might not be the the pinnacle of their you know of their goals but it's something maybe like a second stone to do even more you know to bounce off that and do even more but other people there like struggling that point of um that point of career that point of comfortableness could be their luxury so mm. and it all depends on you know individual goals and how what people's mindset are, in my opinion. That's what I think. That's interesting. Like that's my answer to almost everything now. It depends. So you sort of like snatched it for me first. But um as long as I think is I I do agree with you in a sense whereby um it's all dependent on the circumstance we are in, in life. Absolutely. Because I've always said that, you know, the definition of success is different to everyone. You know, my definition of success might be different to, you know, Brandon's and E123's. Do you see what I'm saying? So in this circumstance, I think comfortability is, for me, comfortability is dangerous. And I'll tell you why. I'm looking at it at another angle. But again, this is my perspective for me. Comfortability for me is dangerous because if I'm too comfortable with life, it means that I'm not doing enough big things. It means I'm not taking enough risks. You know, why would I want to live every day and just be satisfied, you know, of course, I'll be grateful, but satisfied with what I'm doing every day, 365. I think comfortability is, is slightly inter, interrelated with, I won't say stagnation, because that's like, a, again, this is like being in one position. So for me, I wouldn't want to be comfortable, whether if I have a job and a house and everything that you've mentioned, then of course I would think that's being comfortable. In my perspective, again, and I feel like life is more about taking more risks, um, you know, doing things that are outside your comfort zone. Again, notice that word, comfort zone. Doing things outside your comfort zone, meaning like it's not in your comfortable zone, which is things you're doing every day or on a regular. And I think life exists outside your comfort zones, as that cliche saying, which is true. You know, A lot of the things I've been doing for the past couple of months are things outside my comfort zone, but it's, it's shaped me up to be who I am now and who I'm going to be. And that's sort of my perspective. But let me flip this up a bit. Let me ask you guys a question similar. To, actually, what does Brandon think, think first? What, what do you think? Well, I, as, as you were speaking, I started thinking of some people I know who, who have been working for like 30 years, you know. And on one, because when I look at them, it, you know, I, I notice that they actually have the, the balance. You know, their life is very balanced. 
Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, oh, are they playing it comfortable? But then I just I realized that even in that 30 years, it's the same company, but they've all they've worked like multiple roles. So they've always shifted after a while. You mm-hmm. know, so they've gone from like being maybe like a junior staff to becoming the manager and then totally leaving that job and then going to a different role. So they never actually did stay mm-hmm. stagnant, even though they've been in that working environment you know, your nine to five. Um, and like what E123 said about that comfortable, it's, it's, a, it's someone's dream, you know. That's actually the, the height someone is trying to achieve where they can get a job, they can provide them stable um, living for their family and then maybe use that as a foundation for their kids mm. or their siblings. So... You know, that's, that's, so for me, it's, it's a bit tricky to just go to someone and say, you're not taking enough risk. Do you know the risk I took to get to where I am? You know, do, yes. do you, it's like, it's like someone going to my dad now and saying, ah, you bought a house, you're working. You know, you need to find a way to maximize your, your income. You need to take risk in stock. I'm at, that, my dad will look at that person and think, do you know the, the sacrifice it even took to get to this place. Do, do you know the, the suffering that I had to go? So it, it's a very, it's a very tricky one. But if we're talking about young people and where you're starting, yes, I do think you need to, you know, one of the ways for you to grow is to take yourself out of your comfort zone. And yeah. I think if you're in that place whereby you are quote unquote, you know, in that, comfortable area where you've graduated, you get the job, you're doing your nine to five, you you get your mortgage. I think once you've gotten there, you should take it upon yourself to say, okay, what can I do beyond this point? You know, what's mm. next? And not just stay there for the next 30 years, for the next 40 years. You know, something I pre- appreciate about my a colleague of mine, or even most of my colleagues, is the, is the way they shift their roles and continue to grow their skills. And then they're still doing the traveling thing, you know. They're still going to Portugal, to Spain, taking a, a cruise to America, you know. But these are people who have built their life for 40 years so that they can do this. Okay, they've been doing it for time. They've always been traveling for time. But, you know, they, their goal was, okay, over the years, I'm going to build up myself to get to this place. But then my question before, I know you have a question to ask as well, but my question is, do we think a lot of young people unconsciously just go with the with the path that's been set up? I wouldn't say by the government. I won't even say by your parents. That systematic classification that they've put people in, in the sense that when you graduate, you are going to get a job. Yeah. You're going to get a loan to buy a house. You're going to pay us back all the money you're earning in taxes, in bills, in interest rates, and you're going to be happy with that. Do you think people, young people unconsciously, you know, are getting it, just going with the flow because that's what they've known, that's what they've been taught through the years? That is a great question. And the reason why I say that is because based on what I'm seeing, I think it's 50-50. I think that there are some, there's a, I'll say there's a large majority of young people who are still used to this system. I don't think education prepares you for life. I just think education prepares you for 
how to live like everyone else. You know, I feel I feel like the real learning begins after graduation. And I feel like education system has made it to seem that, you know, success is graduating, getting a job, settling down and getting your first mortgage. So in that sense, I think you're right. But also what I see coming now is a lot of young, you know, young millennials are actually going out there to say, oh, you know what? I've got a job, but then, you know, when I get back, I'm going to grind. Or if, even if I'm grinding, I'm going to, you know, start something, a side hustle. I'm going to create some art. I'm going to, you know, maybe start a business. So I think you've got a large majority of, you know, young people saying, yeah, they're, they're, they're in the system, basically. They still brainwashed by the system. And then you've got, you've got someone on the side who are actually, you know, doing, they are in the system, but they're also doing things outside the system. And, but the people I don't see a lot, the Grey Patch area, the people I don't see a lot is people who try to go against the system or away from the system in a very unconventional way. And I think that's very rare. So that's, that's, how, that's what I would say. What do you think you want to read? 50-50 on that. Because when you see like what people are doing now, what, what creative people are doing now, it really in- inspires other people to do the same or even more. Mm. So you, you're getting like a split where people are following what the government are saying and then you have other people who are there taking risks and being creative yeah. and you know building things or building like something um, great out of nothing using yeah. creativity so it's a bit of a split I think. I think it's a bit of a split but I think everyone still has this mindset whereby that has been governed by the system you know the system whereby this is how you have to live your life like everyone else. Mm. It's like everyone, everyone's going through schools and coming out with the same mindset, with the same, well, not everyone. I'll say the majority. I'm wrong there. I'll say uh, most people are coming out with the same mindset, with the same outlook in life. I don't think everyone is free from that, from that mindset. Yeah, and, because and I, that, that mindset is installed from the educational system, from the teachers and whatnot. They'll of say, course. Yeah, you, when you graduate, you're going to get a job, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Work for this. You're going to tie at this, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. No one's actually saying, oh, you know, when you finish school, you you can become an entrepreneur, start your own company, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No one actually says that. Yeah. You know, no one gives that option to kids. So it's a thing mm. where they only find it out, you know, after they graduate or, you know, mm. just before they graduate. Absolutely. Look, again, I'm not saying the whole world should be entrepreneurs. Oh, no, I'm no, just, no. I'm just saying no, no. giving them an option. No, 100%. I, no, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, from my perspective, I realise that, you know, everyone's always saying, oh, yeah, you could be an entrepreneur or you could be... Uh, or you could work. I think, no, that, those aren't just the two options. I think finding meaning in life is more important than, than both of those two to me. And I think because if you know what your purpose is, the next thing to do is to know how you're going to chase that purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to ask you guys a question and I kind of forgot what I was going to say. I can't remember what, what I was going to ask, but if I do, I'll bring it up again. I remember going to, um, in uni, when we were just about to graduate and I told one of my supervisors, this is what I want to do after uni. I got this idea I'm trying to solve and I want to, um, I want to try and tackle it for a while before, you know, sort of get into the, you know, to marketplace. And then she looked at me as if I've just said something crazy. She was like astonished. Like, why would you want to do that? You've got this degree and you're just about to graduate. Why don't you just go work for this company? And in my mind, like that kind of upset me because I feel like she's telling me that there's only one option in life. There isn't one option in life. There's multiple options in life. Do you guys see what I'm trying to say? Mm. And I feel like the academia setting and the education system is, is sort of made it look like there's only that one path. There's only that one option. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It sort of takes someone who hasn't been influenced by the system to sort of look 
another aspect of life and say, you know what, I could do this. Like my key concern right now is I think education system should actually, I don't think it should try and make everyone entrepreneurs or workers. I think it should try and teach students what are the world's biggest problems right now and how can you guys solve them once you finish education? Just what I'm trying to say. I feel like there's a lot of untapped, you know, problems. There's a lot of untapped questions that we aren't asking ourselves, that we aren't, we aren't solving, you know. And I feel like that's what more should be driven by. And then next is how do you solve this problem? Are you going to start a company to solve this problem? Or are you going to join an organization who's known for doing top research in this problem? And are you going to be one of the pioneers that's going to push this problem or solve this problem? Just what I'm trying to say. And I think that's just, that's just what I think anyway. Yeah. Well, I will say there is something comforting about study paycheck. <laughs> I mean, I guess you two sort of have that experience. What do you think about that, Emmanuel? I guess yeah. if money's constantly coming to your account every month, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm good. Also, no, that's a good point you've made because I remember watching a video and some guy was like, man, I just can't imagine myself not receiving money in my account every month. That the risk of, you know, going to follow his dreams is too risky because the thought of not having money in your account, you know, or getting money every month is, is scary. Do you see what I'm saying? But in my head, I'm thinking, well, he could have just saved up for a bit and, you know, have, you know, um, mitigation money or backup money, I guess. So that's the interesting thing you say. Well, it's, it's interesting you said save up money and have backup money. Funny enough, the system does not even allow you to get to that place where Why? you are easily saving money. Because you you know that if you earn 29 grand a year, yeah. they're taking 20% tax. Mm-hmm. If you start earning 31, the percentage goes up. So even if you get to 50, mm. the the amount you're getting a month doesn't mm. actually increases that much mm. but psychologically they've set it up whereby you think oh i'm on 41,000 50,000 now that's mm. almost double what i was earning now i want to go get the bigger house yeah I exactly want to go get the bigger car yeah. you're still in debt of course you know, you, so they've set it up in that manner but someone said something interesting um i'm sorry which is something i know i've heard in the past mm-hmm. but when he mentioned it i was just like oh snap he said, you're one paycheck away from being homeless. Me, bro. <laughs> That's interesting. Which is true because people, a lot of people, you're waiting to get paid at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And then you pay your rent. You pay your bills. You pay whatever, you know, credit card or loan or, or phone or electric. What happens if they don't pay you at the end of the month? What happens if they don't pay you for two months? That's true. And then I started thinking, wait, Brandon, do you have enough savings to, uh, to last you for three months? If mm. you, if something should, God forbid you fall ill or you injure your leg, what, what happens then? So, and I think this is, this is where that comforting really struck me, which was why I brought up one of the reasons I asked is whereby it's good to be comfortable, but you seriously probably need to think of a backup plan. What if? What if, like, the, one of the greatest gifts we have is our health. Our yeah. health allows us, you know, the fact that we don't have to worry about not being able to do certain things, you know, allows us to just, oh, I'm going to go travel, I'm going to go start a company, I'm going to go do... What if you fall ill? What happens? All your comfort is gone. So your comfort is very now dependent on, and that's why I asked the question, have, have we been programmed? Because your, your comfort is now dependent 
on the go, you know, on your job or an institution, basically, you know, feeding you and looking after you, which is yeah. what people don't realize. That yeah. in that comfort, you're not actually comfortable. It's mm. just you're living because someone is actually giving you the means to survive, which now comes back to, so when should I take the risk or am I not taking the risk or, but this comfort is what people are dreaming of. And, you know, so, and that's what we we're talking about last week and two weeks ago and finding your own, you know, so this, this whole growing up life is very, it's interesting. Someone should write a book on it. A hundred percent. Like I told you, if this podcast wasn't called Quadcast, I think it should have been called 20 somethings figuring out life, you know, because I feel like growing up is complex and figuring things out is complex and everyone is still figuring things out and still winging it, you know, whatever someone wants to tell you. But just to answer the question as to when you said, when should we take that risk? And, you know, you know, when basically, and I think that depends on you, you know, it depends on you because some people, as we said, they're okay with how life currently is, you know, they're fine with, you know, how everything is, but if you're not, you'll know when you should take that risk and, Steve Jobs says this great thing in, in his um, a speech I watch every year. It's the um, Harvard, no, Stanford, my bad, uh, commencement speech. And he said, every morning he asked himself, he looked in the mirror and asked, he said, if today was the last day of your life, are you doing what you want to do? And every time that statement was, that answer was no um, for a few days in a row, he knew he had to change something. For the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. I'm not saying you should look in the mirror and do that. You, should, you can do that if you want. But the point I'm trying to say is, as I said two weeks ago in, in our podcast, we don't ask ourselves questions every night. You know, I told us, I told you guys, like the difference between extraordinary people and like, normal people is that the extraordinary people every night are constant i won't say constantly but they're asking themselves questions like am i where I, I want to be am i getting any closer to my goals i think these are questions that you yourself have to question yourself no one's going to tell you this it's you have to find this for yourself and once you can answer those questions you will know when to take that risk see what i'm trying to say and yeah that's what i think i got a question for you guys do you guys feel like you're living a comfortable life right now? You want to three? You want to take this one first? <laughs> um, let me see. Because the, the funny thing is, I've been in a weird space lately whereby, a, okay, I, I got here. You know, this was, this, was, this was one of the milestones I wanted to reach for certain reasons. And also just because I knew this can finance the dream. Mm. This can finance anything else I wanted to do. Yeah. And also you have to, to some extent, you need to play the game. You know, um, I know a friend of mine was saying they're going to go take a credit card. Um, even though they have the money and then mm -hmm. use a credit, you know, take the credit card paid back. Your credit score goes up, blah, 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 blah. And then me and another friend was like, well, you can just save the money outright and pay. Yeah. So I know that I have to get a job because of certain things I want to get in the future just to have, you know, your, you know, your credit score, you know, just for certain paperwork. But, yeah. you know, that's why I'm where I am now. And then yeah. I was like, okay, it's been a year. It's, it's, no, it's been close to two years. I was in a meeting with my manager and, it's, and, he, and he reminded me, he said, 
oh, I know you want to get a, you know, move to Birmingham. And I was like, oh, snap, he remembers that? I, I've, I've even kind of forgotten, mm. you know. And then I started understanding why I felt uneasy in the last month. Like, July was a very uncomfortable month in the sense, that, in the sense that I was feeling like I'm getting into a routine. I'm getting into that space whereby if I stay here one more year, maybe not the job, but if I keep doing what I'm doing for the next year, I am mm. going to be stuck. I will not be able to get out, and this is going to be it. So I've, I feel like I've, been, I've gotten myself to a comfortable place, but yeah. because I programmed myself to say I was only meant to be here a year, maximum yeah. two, it is now time to move. And then I'm thinking about what am I moving to? And, and this is where sometimes, you know, not, yeah, a little bit of fear comes in because let's be realistic. Yeah. Of course. I'm sitting and I'm thinking, I don't want to go back to a nine-to-five. And you know mm-hmm. that question you asked about if you were doing, if you looked at yourself in the mirror, are you doing what mm-hmm. you're... No. Like, if I, yeah. once I live here and I move back to Birmingham, Birmingham yeah. was just meant to be a headquarters. Birmingham is then, then what do I want to do? I need to be in Nigeria with Cordoba. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. I need to be running um, prayer points. Mm. You know, I need to be running Shadek. I need to be helping my sisters grow. Like that is what that's what's next. So right yeah. now, my body. So I'm not. I'm in a comfortable place, but mentally, I'm not comfortable because I know what's coming next. But then, when you look at the magnitude of what's coming next, and you see that, and you know, you're about to lose your steady paycheck yeah. every month. Ah, uh, you know, that's where you start having to say. And this is also what I was saying about the time management thing, whereby you have people who have made their mind up and yeah. are going to maximize their time. And we yeah. keep saying about, you know, when, when we're speaking about topics like this, about you and have you decided what you want to do? And yeah. that should then give you the encouragement to say, okay, you want to go forth and do it. Yeah. That's interesting that you said that you're comfortable, um, like, in the system in, in general, but in terms of mindset, you're not. That's a very interesting way to put it. How about you? You want to free? Yeah, um, I'm a bit of the same with uh, Brandon. Like, with income, it's pretty much okay. But, you know, mentally, I know that I can do more. So mm. it's a thing where it's a bit difficult because I know I can do better. But, you know, I'm still stuck at, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point where, you know, well, I should be doing better, so it's a bit difficult sometimes. Yeah, mentally. So yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. In my case, um, even though I'm not doing the generic thing, you know, I'm not doing things. I'm not in the system in a way. I still feel a sense of comfortability in the sense that I still have sort of. Again, I think in a very crazy manner in the sense that. Where if I'm, where if I'm still being too comfortable by, you know, knowing I have shelter, you know, where if I just moved out and just figured it out myself, do you see what I'm saying? In that sense, that's what I mean by comfortability. But in terms of everything else, in terms of life and in terms of pursuing my quote unquote dreams, I don't think I'm being comfortable, but I do think there's still more things I could do that's going to put me out of my comfort zone, which I've been doing for the past couple, which I've been doing um, this year, to be honest. So I don't think... I'm living a comfortable life, but there's certain areas in which I think I am still 
comfortable. Yeah, I guess that's it. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add on that topic? No, that's it. So, yeah, guys, just, you know, for those listening, just review, you know, like you, um, what 2.0 said, ask yourself the, the hard questions, you know, and be, be blunt and, you know, completely honest with yourself. You know? mm, absolutely. There's just one more thing I actually want to say. I read an article that when people know that they're going to die one day, that actually pushes them more to do the things they want to do. So in a sense, I'm not saying people should like live life thinking they're going to die. I think people should have this sense of an, a sense of, I would say urgency, but something that reminds them that, you know, this stuff isn't going to be here forever. So you should be doing what you want to do. You know, I was listening to a podcast and the, the guy literally says <laughs> he doesn't waste any time. He says that he's dying every day because he's getting older. <laughs> I know it's funny, right? But I, I thought that, that that was an interesting way to put it. And that made me like, that made me think, wow. That summed up why, why your time is so important. He said, every day, I'm dying slowly. He said, I'm perfectly fit and healthy, but every day, I'm dying. So I have to make the most of my opportunity. And to the extent, this guy is so crazy that he's calculated through this like, calculator thing how many years he's got left. So he wants some girls like, hey, can you, um, you, know, can you, can you do this interview with us? He's like, no, I've got 14,000 days um, left on earth. <laughs> and I'm like, What? It sounds absurd and crazy, but it just shows you that that's like a good way to maximize your time. You know, hmm. knowing that, knowing that, you know, you've got something reminding you that this stuff isn't forever. You're not going to be here forever. And yeah, and you know, Steve Jobs sums it up perfectly. He says that knowing that you're going to die one day is life's quickest way of telling you that you've got to do what you want to do. And then he says, even those who want to get to heaven don't want to die to get there. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. No one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. So yeah, let's move on to the next topic. The next topic is about Twitter's new board member. Her name is... Ungo. Our auntie Ungozi. <laughs> it's Ungozi. Ungozi, you say? Ungozi. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so in, in latest news, Nigeria's former finance minister, Ungozi Okonjo Iweala, has been appointed to the board of Twitter. And um, so for those who don't know who Okonjo is, Okonjo Iweala, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Iweala. Iweala. She served as the Minister of Finance and Coordinating Minister for the Economy of Nigeria under President Goodluck Jonathan from 2011 until his government was voted out in March 2015. And so prior to that, she was the Minister of Finance under President Olusia Gumabasanjo from 2003 to 2006. So a lot of people have been, you know, have found this position quite questionable. And the reason why they found it questionable is based on the fact that um, 
she lost some of her shine after the Jonathan government was widely discredited by corruption scandals and mismanagement during one of Nigeria's most um, lucrative oil revenue booms. So what do you guys think about Twitter, you know, appointing her as a board member? Um, I just want to say just also a bit of background order. Obviously, um, PhD from MIT, um, worked with the World Finance Bank. Um, so her job was not really just, you know, Nigeria. Um, well, just funny enough, like looking into her past a little bit. And I did ask, there's a group I'm part of on WhatsApp. And I actually asked them what they thought about it because a lot of them are in Nigeria. Yep. And I'll read you some of their replies, you know. So guys, we actually do background work on this. Of course. <laughs> um, so someone so someone um, accused her of having a negative part. They said, um, I think if, she, if she's recommended for the post or she's been recommended for the post and she got it, then, you know, she will do well. Um, a Nigerian is making an impact to the world. And she's not to be judged by her past negativity. You know, she's an intelligent woman and I think she deserves it. Another person agreed with him. And then someone questioned what negative past, you know, that to him, she did well under Obasanjo, under Good Luck Jonathan's administration. And she Mm -hmm. deserves the accolade she's getting. And I think it's just because people don't really know that there's still confusion about exactly what her role was in the whole um, corruption scandal that happened, you mm. know, on the good luck, Jonathan. And then she came out of the book saying, uh, what's it called? Uh, Fighting corruption is dangerous. She published oh. a book after. <laughs> he wanted to laugh. Um, that fighting corruption is dangerous. But this is a woman that's very respected around the world. You know, minus Nigeria, which is always funny there, because when you are home, the prophet is never recognized in their own town, in the words of Jesus Christ. Because this woman, the Davos World Economic Forum, she's spoken there 10 years ago. She's familiar on the, you know, people know her on the TED Talks. You know, this is a lady that people call on her service whenever she's available. And the fact that Twitter is calling on her to sit on their board I think yeah. just goes to show, you know, the work she's done so far and the yeah. respect she's gained, you know. Um, and I think it's, it's an encouragement to, to a lot of, a lot of people. There are a lot of young Nigerians. I came to find out, um, when this came out, there are a lot of Nigerians doing stuff in the political sectors all over the world. Mm-hmm. But it's just, they never, they never, they are never invited back home to do anything. So we don't get to hear about them but seeing the fact that now they're calling someone from nigeria although yes she graduated from mit um there's rumors that says all our kids are in harvard or something um you know just goes to show you that the work she's putting she deserves the opportunity she's getting she deserves to sit on that board but then i have, I have a question about that as well from twitter side but yes i'll let you want to three speak yeah i mean um I think even with all that controversy surrounding her, there's probably a good opportunity for her to not clear her name because maybe she, uh, I'm, I'm not too you know, familiar with the controversy surrounding her, but maybe it's a good opportunity to clear her name and, you know, clean slate and do a good job in her next role. But, you know, it's, it's all down to performance, really. See how she does and judge it from there, but, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's just one thing, two things I like to point out. 
the internet nowadays has made it like it's just been a shameful place to be online right now and hence why i'm not an avid online user in the sense that maybe it's just the stuff i'm seeing anyway it's the sense that if someone does one wrong thing somehow everyone is like we've become the the judges and says that person should never be allowed to do something again no who who made you you know king of the the world or king of earth you know, you don't make that judgment. And I think people should always get second chances. I did hear about a few of the things she, that happened. You know, I don't think she necessarily did anything on the Good Luck Jonathan's, yeah. um, you know. the thing where she just had to, like, side with them. No, in a sense, but I think, like, it's like based on who your friends are, people are going to judge you. Do you see what I'm saying? So based on the fact that she was in a, you know, she was support, I won't say supporting, but she was in the midst of, you know, a party or, or a candidate or a, a regime <laughs> whereby corruption was very was big was there was issues with corruption and if you're in that you know circle and even if you're inside it if you know the people you're going to be tagged along with it so i think that was the issue you know that's that's what i think anyway but also i don't think we should rub her off because of that as you know brandon mentioned the accolades she's she's an astonishing woman she's intelligent she's very capable also i'd just like to let people know to be called to be on a a business such as twitter's board it's not something easy. It's not something that, you know, anyone can do or anyone can get. So she must have done something right to, to get the position. So I definitely give her respect for that and uh, give her um, my hats off, to be honest. Getting on the board is, is difficult. And also, people don't know that it's not actually the CEO that runs a business. It's actually the board members. So um, I think this is great. I think this decision also makes sense because Nigeria has 336 million Twitter users in the first quarter of 2018. 336. So it makes sense for them to get someone from Africa to, you know, to, to add on to, to the board. And yeah, that's, that's my position on this. Okay, but then I want to ask this coming from Twitter side. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate the fact that they put on the board and the votes. Twitter has been recently accused of their board not being diverse enough. Yeah. You know, um, that they, well, it was only two women, and I think she's replacing one of them. So it's her and one of the person that got hired. But yeah. We, we've always had this issue of, what we always say about, you know, boards not being diverse. Um, and then you start thinking, where actually do women fit in? In tech, because this is something I'm sure we all noticed in uni as well, in computer science, where you didn't have too many females in the computer science degree program. Yeah. And then it seems that that's translating out in the real world as well, where all these big tech companies, you know, where they have to be almost prompted, you know, if yeah. the media didn't, didn't highlight it, would they have gone mm. and hired more women? Where do women fit in? Obviously, we know that some of the best-run companies are where women are very actively involved of course so that for me it struck me when i when i read that part and thought so are they doing it because even if they're doing it because of that you know the fact that they chose her i still think she deserves an employee i think the only other woman is the um the one that runs bet um yeah, definitely. So, I, I mean, they didn't go for, they could have gone for someone like uh, Lily Singh, the YouTube girl who is like a big yeah. star now. She's just, you know, they could have gone for someone like that. She's also an ethnic mm. minority. You know, so they, there's so yeah. many people in the world that they could have gone for Oprah. There's so many people they yeah. could have Michelle Obama, Ellen, yes. the generous. Like, there's so many people they could have picked. But the fact that they mm. picked her, I think, you know, applaud to her. And, and like now I can tell my little sister, like, yo, 
there's a Nigerian woman sitting on the on the board at Twitter. Yeah, that's no, that's amazing. You're absolutely right. I just want to add on to what you've said, and you've made a good point. The fact that um, you know, there's only two black women on the board of Twitter. That still isn't enough, you know, unacceptable. And when I say just not just black women, but you know, women in general, and I find that shocking that tech seems to be a male-dominated, you know, field. And it's always been perceived as a male-dominated field. And I think it would be great to have someone on the podcast, a female, you know, in tech one day on the podcast to talk about this uh, topic with, because I think it's an interesting discussion. I think I would love to see more female in in tech, especially, um, you know, females from other ethnicities, especially black women, of course. Um, That's why when um, Uber appointed that um, woman, the black woman, what's her name? They appointed her as, you know, chief of diversity or, or director of diversity, wherever it was. I think that was a good move. Um, but what else do I want to bring about at this point? I feel like companies scrambling now just to get, you know, make their board or their company more diverse. It's just, it just seems it's good. But I feel like this is something that should have been, you know, it should, it's something that should have been done. Everyone knows that having a diverse team makes a company better. The stats show that. And it just befuddles me to find out that tech is still mainly dominated by males and i think that's good but i don't think it should be forced i, I think it's a thing where it should come naturally not is a yeah. thing where saying oh you don't have enough women in there here's a fine if, if companies don't get enough women um applying is a thing where they're saying mate we're not getting enough women applying it's not our fault yeah so yeah it's not a thing where you know 100 i'm not saying like it should be forced yeah I'm saying that it should be, it's something that should have been done in the beginning anyway, because everyone knows once you have different types of people with different types of, you know, with different types of genders, you know, it helps the company. Mm. Do you see what I'm trying to say? That's the point I'm trying to say. I'm saying this should be natural. Mm. It shouldn't be a sense whereby, oh man, you know, we've got 90% of males in our company. We need to get more females now. No, I'm not saying that's not what they should do. I'm saying it's something that should have been happening. Yes, there aren't, um, you know, a lot of females in technology. Why? Maybe we should start getting more STEM courses. Maybe we should start funding more STEM courses. Um, do you see what I'm trying to say? Or, or And all these other things. I'm not saying that they should force it and stuff. I feel like that's the point I was trying to make, that they're trying to force it. And that's not the way it should be. But um, that's my stance in it. But once again, I think it's, it's great to see on the board. As Brandon said, this is hopefully a motivation for young black women and young women of different ethnicities to see that there is a black woman from Nigeria up on Twitter's board, which is great. Yeah. Anything else you guys wanted to say? I, I just want to say, Auntie Ungo. Make us proud, though. Eh? Ungo. Ungo Make us proud. No, boy. Sky. Oh, yeah. No, nah, she's, she's, she's done well. Mm, she has. Sweet. So I guess we can call this um, podcast a wrap. It's been it's been a great discussion, especially the first half. Um, it's been very interesting to see. And like I said, I think we should start discussing things more on, you know, things that are more long term in terms of success and all that stuff, I think. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've uh, enjoyed it. And feel free to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram and SoundCloud, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Later.